0: If you can imagine me as a single college guy selling millions of dollars of baby products on Amazon, that was me. And I'm making money for the first time in my life. I think, okay, I should probably start paying taxes. So I meet with an accountant and the first thing he asked me is, when are you going to hire your first person? And I shrugged him off. I said, why would I do that? That's money out of my pocket. They're going to steal my ideas. They're going to hurt my business. Classic entrepreneurial excuses. And he just laughed in my face and he said, you're going to learn this lesson on your own. Welcome to the Thought Leaders Business Lab. It's time for you to increase your influence, grow your business, and scale to freedom. Now, let's enter the lab with your host, Samantha Riley.
1: Welcome back to another episode of the Thought Leaders Business Lab. I'm looking forward to bringing you today's episode because this is a problem that I see so many entrepreneurs and business owners struggling with. If you want to grow and scale a business, it is absolutely essential that you get help with that. There's no way that you can grow and scale a business on your own, whether it's, you know, one employee that helps you out or whether you want to hire a team. There are a lot of challenges that stop people in their tracks when hiring those people, whether it's the struggle with the hiring process, whether it's not understanding how to train them to not be, you know to having fears about being able to afford to to pay someone to come onto the team. So today we discuss all of this and more. Now Nathan does discuss a, his platform in this episode which is called Free Up and Free Up is uh an online platform for finding reliable virtual assistants and freelancers to be able to help you. Now, since this episode, I've been using the FreeUp platform and it is fantastic. I have had so much success with it. It is such a great platform. So what I've done, and I want to share this with you, is I have partnered with FreeUp and organized a $25 coupon so that you can sign up to the platform and experience it. So use your $25 coupon to uh, to get someone else to do a task that's been holding you up. I can guarantee once you use their service, you will be hooked and you will realize how much time you get back how the quality of the work surpasses what you're able to do and how much more you get done. So if you would like to try the FreeUp platform to hire a virtual assistant or a freelancer, whether it's on a full-time or a part-time basis or even just to get one task done, I highly recommend trying it out. All you need to do to get your coupon is go to freeup.com forward slash Samantha Riley. And you will see all the details right there on the page on how to do it. Now that's free up with three E's, not two. So F R E E E free com forward slash Samantha Riley. All right, without further ado, let's jump into today's episode with Nathan Hirsch. Welcome to the Thought Leaders Business Lab, Nathan. It's great to have you joining me here today.
0: Sam, I am excited to be here. Thanks for having me.
1: We're going to be talking about getting rid of the tasks that we don't like today. And I know that this is something that I hear on just about every single call with a prospect or a client. They're like, oh... I just want to do my thing how can we make this happen so someone can look after the stuff that I hate doing and I'm sure that's something that you hear all the time yourself
0: (laughs) yeah I do I mean if you want to scale your business you have to hire and I think a lot of people they get caught in the trap of trying to do everything or maybe they had a bad hiring experience so now they're like oh I'm never gonna hire again and you can only go so far there's very few 1 million 5 million dollar a year solo entrepreneurs out there if you want to scale you have to hire and you have to be able to hire well. I mean, the difference between 90 to 95% hiring rate and a 30 to 40% can be the difference between success and failure in your business.
1: Totally, totally agree. And we're going to go back to that. But before we go there, I'd love you to share with our listeners what it is that you do and how you got here because you've got a very cool story of how you have wound up where you are
0: yeah so my parents were both teachers growing up and i always grew up with the mentality that i would go to school get a real job after college work for 30 years retire and that was going to be my life and when i had these summer jobs these summer internships i was working 40 to 50 hours every week learned a lot about sales and marketing and managing people But I also learned that I just hated working for other people. And when I got to college, I kind of looked at it as a ticking clock. I had Mm. four years to create a business. And if I didn't, I was going to go into the real world and, and be miserable for the rest of my life. So I started hustling. I started buying and selling textbooks, using that summer job money, competing with my school bookstore, created a little referral program. And before I knew it, I had lines out the door of people trying to sell me their books to the point where i actually got a cease and desist letter from my college telling me to knock it off so wow <laughs> so i had this amazon store this was back in 2008 no one really knew what amazon was amazon was kind of this big bookstore and i now had this store that i thought was cool it was 24 7. i just had to figure out what products to sell i couldn't sell books anymore so i started experimenting with outdoors equipment video games computers typical college guy stuff and uh-huh. I just failed over and over and over. The only thing I could get to sell were these books. And it wasn't until I branched out of my comfort zone and found the baby product industry through trial and error that my business blew up. So if you can imagine me as a single college guy selling millions of dollars of baby products on Amazon, that was me. And I'm making money for the first time in my life. I think, okay, I should probably start paying taxes. So I meet with an accountant and the first thing he asked me is, when are you going to hire your first person? And I shrugged him off. I said, why would I do that? That's money out of my pocket. They're going to steal my ideas. They're going to hurt my business. Classic entrepreneurial excuses. And he just laughed in my face. And he said, you're going to learn this lesson on your own. Sure enough, my first busy season comes around and I don't know what busy season is. It's just me. And I just get destroyed. I'm working 20 hours a day. My social life's gone. My grades go down and I work my butt off to get to January, and I think to myself, I can never let that happen again. I need to start hiring people. So, I know nothing about hiring. I post a job on Facebook. The guy, this guy in my business law class shoots me a message. I don't even interview him. I say, you're hired, and he ends up being an amazing hire. He's smart. He's hardworking. He brings a lot to the table, ends up being my business partner with Amazon and with FreeUp. So, there I am thinking, man, this hiring thing is easy. You post a job on Facebook, someone shows up, you make more money, your life becomes easier. And I just proceed to make bad hire after bad hire after bad hire. Learning that Being a 21-year-old and trying to hire people in person was very hard, quickly turning to the remote hiring world, the Upworks, the Fivers, and I got pretty good at it. I hired some good people, some of which are still with me today, but I always wanted something faster. I remember one day I did eight hours of interviews and I didn't find one person from the platform that was a good fit for my business. And I kept looking and looking and finally I said, you know what, I'll build my own platform. And that's really when the idea of FreeUp came about. So Mm. that's the short, long version of how I went from a broke college kid to an Amazon seller to the idea for free.
1: I love it. And the story that you shared of that first busy season that you had, you know, whether or not you like the word hustle, like I actually don't mind it. Clearly, you don't mind it either. There's some people listening that think, "Ah, I know, don't, I don't, it's not all about the hustle. But I think that when you're in business, you, you are going to have periods where you have to hustle. You have busy times, you have slower times, it, you know, business ebbs and flows, and that's just part of it. And I remember back when I had my first shop and we had our first busy season and I didn't know it was coming. And at the time we were selling dancewear and it was just, that you know, when everyone went back to school after the summer holidays. So obviously that's when everyone's buying their new stuff. And I will never forget just being absolutely bombed this one day. And my children, who I think were only like five and seven at the time, we actually had them serving in the shop because we had customers everywhere. So it does happen to all of us. And once you've done it once, you never let it happen again, right?
0: Yeah, it only takes that one time. I mean, I think that's kind of what makes me wonder with with entrepreneurs, because let's say that you struggle with marketing. You're not just going to say, oh, I'm not going to market my business anymore. But for some reason, people do that with hiring. They give up on hiring. They say, you know what? Hiring is just not for me. I can't do it. And you can't do that. Hiring is an important part of your business.
1: Yeah, totally, and that actually is exactly where I wanted to go to. So I'm so glad we're on the same wavelength there, because so many people do hire once and go, it didn't work. You know, they were sitting there. Like I hear this a lot. I hired someone, and I was really busy, and then they sat there doing nothing because I didn't (laughs) know how to hand off the tasks, or I hired someone and they couldn't do everything, which again is another fallacy. And I'm sure you'll go into both of those. But you know, if we think about Hiring, imagine you're a baby walking, you get up and walk and you fall over for the first time. You don't give up at that point and you know, crawl for the rest of your life. You just keep getting up and up and up, but you learn different things. And as you say, this is really important in the hiring process because all my clients will be like, Oh, here Sam goes again. But I'm constantly saying, if you can climb a mountain on your own, it's not a very big mountain. And if you don't have staff, you can't grow your business to where it wants to grow. So I guess what's the first tip that you can give to people to think about when they, before they even start hiring, they they know they need to hire someone. What has to happen before they even do that first hire?
0: Yeah. So first of all, no one has a 100% hiring record, right? I don't, you don't, it doesn't (laughs) exist. (laughs) Yeah. And the goal is to get higher and higher. I mean, I used to have 50% turnover. Now it's less than 5%. So you do get better. You do focus on what you can control there's so many things out there that you can't control from someone's personal issues to human error to someone getting another job or dropping you whatever it is focus on what you can control and what you can control is your systems, your processes your hiring mentality so for me the first step is to look at how much money you made last month and Figure out how aggressive do you want to be. If you want to be really aggressive, you want to go all in for that empire, maybe you're investing 40 to 60% of your profits back into hiring. If you're more conservative and we're all in a different place in our life, and our business, maybe it's 10 to 30%. And you can adjust it month over month, maybe goes up 5% or down 10%. But the last thing you want to do is invest a lot of time and money into someone only to realize you can't afford them. So let's say that you settle on 25%. Then what I like to do is create two lists. The first list is everything you do on a day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month basis. And I like to prioritize that list from easiest to hardest and also put some dollar values on that list. Is it a $5 an hour task? Is it a $20 an hour task? And depending on where you are in your business, your time might be worth nothing. It might be worth $1,000 an hour. So you kind of have to figure that out. The second list and one of the best activities my business partner and I did back in the day was we sat down and we said, you're bad at this. And we did that for an hour and it hurt a little bit, but at the end we realized, okay, we compliment each other very well. But there's also all these things that neither of us are good at, but we're doing them every single week, every single month. So create that list of weaknesses. The average entrepreneur only has one to three core competencies. Outside of those core competencies, you need to um, hire people to turn those weaknesses into strengths. So that's really my second step after you establish the budget. Figure out the list of how to get your hours back, the day-to-day stuff, the stuff you have systems and processes for, and your weaknesses, things that you want to turn into strengths that you're not good at. And that gives you a great starting point to start hiring.
1: Yeah. No, I've actually skipped a step as we're going into this. I thought, oh yeah, good one, Sam. You have skipped it. What are the key things that we would notice in our business before we would even think about hiring someone? Because some people don't even see these
0: gaps. Yeah, it, it's a great question. I mean, for me, I'm a process guy. So if I yeah. see things are falling down the cracks, for example, let's say in, in my business, it's customer service, it's billing, it's it's our success team, which is our recruitment team for more freelancers. So if I see that emails aren't be re- being responded to in a fast enough time, if obviously if clients aren't getting billed correctly, if freelancers are, aren't getting onboarded onto the platform fast enough, and you also can listen to feedback feedback is one of the things I love from your clients in my case the, the freelancers for different users of your platform for other people on your team and and that's how you get a good tempo hey is my team leader swamped are they working 14 hours a day which isn't going to be sustainable long term or are we on top of everything and we don't have to hire someone for another six months so for me I look for the flaws I look for the errors and then I see okay can I fix these problems with what I currently have Or do I need to go out and hire? And and then if I want to take something else on, let's say I want to run Facebook ads for my business, I could spend the next three months learning how to be a Facebook ad expert. I'm a pretty reasonably smart person, but is that a good use of my time? I can't do that for every single part of my business. So at some point you need to go about and hire someone that already has that skill to come in and execute it at a high level.
1: Got a great question for you there. Facebook ads, that's something that I find a lot of people want to outsource. I'd love to know your take on this. Do you believe that if you have no idea how to do Facebook ads that you should just outsource that straight up? Or do you think that you need to have some sort of idea so that you can at least hand that task off in a way that the freelancer understands and in a way that you can check to make sure that the job's being done exactly the way you want it to be done?
0: Yeah, great question. (laughs) You can't learn everything. You can't be a master at everything. I kind of relate it to when I hired developers for the first time. I had to build this software. It's kind of the the centerpiece between the clients and the freelancers, and I'm not a developer. And in the past, I probably haven't had great experiences with developers. I'm I'm more of a business logical-minded person. But I sat down and and I did some research. I said, hey, the different dev languages let's at least know the pros and the cons let's figure out what software they like we like Trello as business people they like Jira as developers so at least understanding what you're going through so you can have intelligent conversations with and from there there is a certain leap of faith but if you can have those conversations with people and you can learn how to vet people not just for skill not just for their experience and their resume and their reviews but also for their attitude and their communication, which is a big part of what we bet on our platform. The people with the good attitudes and the great communication skills tend to be more honest about what they can and cannot do on the skill side. And then you combine that with your own research and you having a better understanding of what you actually want and what that entails. And again, you're getting closer and closer to that hiring success rate.
1: I love that you've got that same mindset because I think that too many people want to outsource something that they know nothing about and then get really upset when they get a job that back and it's not completed like they feel like it should be completed. But in actual fact, they were not able to articulate to anyone what it is that they actually wanted in the first place. So while we don't want to spend three weeks solid researching something, it is a really great idea to have some sort of idea what it is that you're trying to achieve so that you can be really clear on the outcomes.
0: Yeah, and and there are other hacks too. I mean, I might hire three developers each and I'll just pay for them to speak to me for a few hours. And so I can ask questions and get their thoughts and and compare with each other. And if I hire three different developers and they all tell me the same thing, chances are that I'm going in the right direction. So there's different ways you can get around it. And that's one of the beauties of the gig economy is it just gives you all this flexibility as a business owner.
1: Love it. Now you mentioned SOPs or standard operating procedures. And I think that this is one of the biggest downfalls of especially businesses that are starting to scale, not having these standard operating procedures or um, just templates or whatever. People call them all different things. Do you think this is something that needs to be created before you hire or something that can be created after you hire? I'd love to hear your take on this.
0: Yeah, good question. So my standard answer for the average person, especially if you're hiring VAs for the first time, you should do it before you hire. And I like to design SOPs in three parts. The first part is information about my business. And this is the part that a lot of people leave out. And then what constitutes success and failure? I hired a bookkeeper. He was the fourth bookkeeper I hired. This was years ago. I explained why the past three didn't work out and what I'm looking for and what success looks like. Then comes the A, the B, the C, the D, the actual steps in the process. And, and you can have a rough draft there and, and improve it over the over time. And then C is the, or the last part is all the do not do's. <laughs> and this is another area where people leave out because let's say a VA has two part-time customer service clients. One client might be totally okay with them doing something, and the other client might say, these are three clients that are spending $200,000 a year with me. Please, for the first six months, don't contact them. Leave it for me. So all all the things that they need to know, kind of like a cheat sheet at the end. Now, further down the line, now that I have team leaders and I have a lot of experience hiring VAs, I do some experimenting. I'm building a lead generation team right now. And I don't have the exact process I want to use because there's a little bit of trial and error there. I want to to experiment, but I'm going in with that mentality. I go with the mentality that it might not work. It might take me a little bit of time. I might figure it out in day two. I might figure it out in month three. So I go in there with no SOP. I hire the right people and then I have them help me create an SOP. and, And now I even have team leaders who will keep the SOPs updated because We're a startup and we're constantly changing our systems and our processes, try to make them better. And it's their responsibility to update the SOP. And if they come across something that we're doing and there's no SOP, I want them to take initiative and create the SOP. There's different ways to go about it, but for the average person, try to at least have a rough draft of an SOP before you hire someone. You can always change it and improve it going forward.
1: Totally. And I do the same. My team actually creates my SOPs as I go. So I will teach something then we'll do it together. Once they've done the task, their job is actually to create their SOP. And that's actually such an, important, such an important part of the process because you can't scale without them.
0: Yeah, completely agree. I mean, you have to have your systems and process down. It's, it's one of those things like what happens if you get hit by a bus or you get sick for two weeks? Like, will your business run without you? And and if so, is there documentation on what to do? I mean, if, if I have to go If I have to leave for a week and and my assistants need to figure out how to do something, they should be able to look it up.
1: Yeah, totally, totally love that. So what are some of the areas, especially as a coaching consultant, that we could look at hiring people to take part of our business? Because there's no such thing as a superhero VA that can do everything. VAs are no different to us. We've got strengths and we've got weaknesses. So what are some of the different areas that we can look at hiring?
0: Yeah, an executive assistant. I I work with a lot of coaches that'll hire someone and it's a little bit more customized to what you spend most of your time doing. I I mean, you could say coach, but that can mean many, many different things. So it could be small tasks like data entry or lead generation. It could be monitoring my inbox. One thing that I did back in the day before I hired full-time VAs is I hire a VA from 3 a.m. to 5 a.m. and their only job was to clear out my inbox. And they, there were certain emails they knew to let leave for me so I would wake up and instead of clearing a hundred emails I would just have hey I, I tagged these three emails for you I handled the rest so figure out where you're spending your time and how much t- how much value that's actually bringing into your business I mean you should be focused on very high level stuff helping your clients sales expansion marketing answering every single email at some point does not become a good use of your time so that's a good starting point I mean, there's other stuff like like just project-based graphic design and content writing. Are you really going to write every single article, every single social media post? There's bookkeeping, just the general business stuff. And then you've got any kind of ads, whether it's click funnels and designing your funnels or or Facebook ads that we talked about. So there's lots of different ways to go about it. I like to say there's three different levels of freelancers that you can hire, basic, mid, and expert. So Basic level freelancers, five to 10 bucks an hour, non US, they're there to follow your systems, your processes. Then you got the mid level, the specialists, the graphic designers, the bookkeepers, the doers. You're not teaching someone how to be a graphic designer, but they're not consulting with you either. They're doers. And then you got the experts, the 25 and up, the high level freelancers, consultants, agencies that can. Bring their own strategy to the table. They can project manage. They can execute high level game plans. So you need to kind of figure out where are you at in your business? Are you stuck in the day-to-day operations? Are, are projects building up? Or do you need someone to bring the strategy to the table?
1: Mm, totally. And with that, you you've got your basic your mid and your expert. Do you think that there's any benefit to hiring people? Because we talk virtual, we automatically think overseas. Is there times that you would hire virtually, but within your local area? Because, you know, some people have that fear of hiring people overseas.
0: I personally don't do that. Uh, Could you do it? Of course. I mean, for me, I kind of look at at the risk. I mean, there's always going to be a risk. Even if you hire your best friend to sit right next to you, there's always a chance they do something stupid or jeopardize your business in some way. But I can only speak for my platform. It's it's so hard to get onto our platform. I mean, we accept one out of every hundred people that apply. So once they're in, they care a lot more about staying in and making sure you're taken care of and you're happy and getting more clients from our platform than they do about stealing or jeopardizing your information in any way. Now, are there things you can do to, to protect yourself, like user permissions or, or last pass? Absolutely. I mean, are you really gonna chase someone across the Philippines over something like an NDA? Maybe, probably not. But the number one way to really protect your business, whether you're hiring in person, whether you're hiring someone in your state or across the world, is to actually build relationships with the people that you're working out with. I've had people that have quit on me. I've had people that I fired and they didn't want to hurt me. I didn't want to hurt them. And, and that's because I built the relationship with them. And there's really no substitute whether you're doing in person or remote.
1: Yeah, totally, totally. Now you said before we started recording, you've got a five-step hiring process that you can share with us. I think that'd be super helpful to help people.
0: Yeah, so I kind of mentioned part of it. We got setting your budget. Budget, got- yep. The first step, which is, or the first step after the budget, which is identifying the tasks to take off your plate, the two lists. Then we've got the identifying what your perfect person looks like. So, for that, are, are they in person? Are they remote? Is it 20 hours a week? Is it part time? What's the budget? What's the skill set? Knowing yourself is a good thing to have here. I mean, even the best freelancer in the world aren't the best fit for every single client out there. So, understanding what type of people you work with, you work with better with people that are Fast and direct or warm and fuzzy, figuring that out. The next step is our interview process. So I like to say that you interview for skill, attitude, and communication. Kind of that trifecta where skill, you care a lot more about people being honest about what they can and cannot do and priced accordingly than just having everyone be a 10 out of 10. For attitude, you want people who are passionate about what they do. They don't get aggressive when something doesn't go their way that can take feedback without taking it personally and communication which is the thing that brings it all together it doesn't matter what their skill or what their attitude is if you can't communicate with them at a high level and we have 15 pages of communication best practices that they have to memorize and get tested on before they get on our platform so you've got setting the budget which is kind of the, the before the steps you've got the two lists you've got identifying what the perfect person looks like interviewing for skill attitude communication the fourth step is setting expectations right from the beginning that's where a lot of people go wrong spending that extra effort getting on the same page getting it in writing and then step five is my personal favorite the feedback loop where you're giving feedback on what you like and what you don't like and you're also listening to feedback on how you can communicate better especially if you're working with people remote the first time how can you be a better manager how can you improve your systems your processes so that's really my five-step process that I go
1: and certainly working with people virtually takes you as a business owner to a whole new level to realize how much more you need to really pay attention to the gaps that you necessarily didn't have when you had someone standing right next to you. Now, you keep mentioning the platform. Can you explain what it is that you're referring to there?
0: Yeah. So the Freedom Marketplace, we get thousands of applicants every week, virtual assistants, freelancers, and agencies from all over the world. We vet them for skill, attitude, and communication, like I mentioned before. The top 1% get on our platform And then you get fast access to them whenever you need them. It's free to sign up. There's no monthly fee, no minimums, no obligation. It's in our best interest to get you people you actually like that help you grow your business. So you just create a free account. Whenever you want someone, you click request a freelancer. Tell us what you're looking for. It'll ask some questions to make it easy. We'll introduce someone within a business day. We normally send one person by default. Most people come to us because they don't want to meet 20 people. But if you say, Uh send me three, send me five, we're happy to do it. You can meet with them make sure you like them if you like them you can hire them negotiate rate agree to a fixed price the, the freelancers set their own rates if you don't like them you click pass and provide us feedback and we'll get you someone else based on that feedback so it's a pretty fast and efficient process on the back end we have 24 7 support in case you have even the smallest issue and we have a no turnover guarantee freelancers on our platform rarely quit But if they do, we cover replacement costs and get you a new person right away. So that's what we're all about. The pre-vetting, the speed, the customer service and the protection.
1: So can someone come to your platform just for a specific task rather than hiring, you know, a part-timer?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we have some people who have hired four full-time VAs in the Philippines and they've had them for three years and other people hire someone for a one-time project and and never talk to them again and, and everything in between.
1: Love it. So if anyone's listening and they want to, you know, super keen to hand off some of the things that they hate so they can get more onto doing what they love, how can they find more about FreeUp?
0: Yeah, go to freeup.com with three E's. You can create a free account. Mention this podcast for a $25 credit to try us out. You can check out the FreeUp blog, the FreeUp YouTube channel. We post a lot of great content. We also have our own podcast called the Outsourcing and Scaling Show. So we're all about helping you scale your business and giving you fast talent to be able to do it.
1: Love it. And of course, we'll pop all those links in the show notes. So if you just head onto the show notes page, you'll be able to click straight through. Nathan, thank you so much for joining me today and talking about something that I'm really passionate about this. I think that as business owners, we can't grow to you know the, the great goals that we have without a team to support us. So thanks for sharing everything and uh, your knowledge that you shared with us today.
0: Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Discover how to grow and scale your thought leader's business check out samanthariley.global. Head over to Facebook and join a tribe of like-minded entrepreneurs in the Thought Leaders Business Lab community.